Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. So I'm wrapping up this uh, series on making room, and I'd like to talk about making room for prayer. And uh, I, I believe when it comes to the truth about prayer, sometimes we, we don't always have it right. And sometimes we're influenced by the way we were raised and, and how prayer was um, uh, described or experienced. And I'd like to talk about uh, the call for us to experience prayer, meaning ex- experiencing God in a new way when it comes to prayer. If you have your Bible, take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. So what is the place of prayer in the life of the believer? And we see Jesus here talking about prayer, instructing his disciples of how to pray. And it says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And he says in verse 8, Therefore, do not be like them, for the Father knows the things you, you have need of before you ask him. And in verse 9, we find the Lord's prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And for yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. And, and, and amen. So we find here the instruction of Jesus to pray. And I believe there's, uh, in, this, in the Lord's Prayer, there's different avenues of what to pray for. I believe there are themes for us to pray for. But at the same time, when you look at verse 6, uh, in, verse, um, in verse 8, where it says that the Father already knows in advance what, what you're about to pray for, so the thought is, why pray? If Father already knows what we need, what's the point of prayer? And sometimes I think that we see prayer as, um, as kind of uh, when you go to uh, a, uh, a fair or you go with your kid and, and you place them on this merry-go-round or, or I like the, the image of this little car that is on a track and you got your kid that's sitting on the track and he's holding the steering wheel and the track and the, and the car goes and this kid thinks that he's driving, right? But all these, this time he's attached to the track or a plane, right? You put your kid on the plane and it's, it goes around, it's attached to a pole. And this kid, in his imagination, he's, think, he's thinking he's flying a plane, right? But he's not. And sometimes this is all we see prayer. We see prayer as, well, is it important to pray because uh, God already knows what I need and he's aware of who I am. And, and, and sometimes we get confused between who God is and what he has desired to do or what he wants to do with us. Like the scripture reveals that God knows all things. In Psalm 139 verse 1 it says, O Lord, you have examined my heart. And know everything about me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. I, I, you see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm do, going to say, even before I say it, Lord. So when we look at this, we say, well, what's the point of prayer, right? And you look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. We see that God is all-powerful. It says, for by him all things were created. Things in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether, thro- um, 
Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So when you look at if everything holds together through him, why pray? If God is in control, why pray? And sometimes we, we read this verse, and, and we, we read Psalm 39, and we say, well, God, you're going to do whatever you want to do anyway. At the same time, we know that there's things that are unmovable. When it comes to the first coming of Jesus, when he was born in Bethlehem, and, and uh, his birth was, was planned by Father, and even if you pray or didn't pray, it didn't change the fact that he was coming. And it's the same thing when it comes to his second coming. One day he's going to come. One day he's going to return. And that is a fact. It's not negotiable. It's not linked to prayer, or, or, or it's not if you pray, if you don't pray. There are things that are written down in the Father's, by the Father's authority and will happen. Like we find that in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, when the disciples want to have more info in, in, in regard of the end times. And, and, and Jesus says, it's not for you to know. It's, it's, it's my Father that has have planned this, and it's under his authority. But at the same time, when you look at the text I've read in regard of prayer, we see Jesus telling his disciples to pray, right? Our Father in heaven, all will be thy name. And he, and he invites them to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, for, for, for his kingdom to come and for his kingdom to be revealed on earth. And, and, he, and he asked them to ask for daily bread and, and for forgiveness of sin and, and for also a protection from the evil one. So, so, so when we look at the first part where Jesus says that the Father already knows what you're going to pray for, sometimes we look at that verse, but we forget that the Lord prayers, the Lord's prayers for something for us to live and experience. So there's no contradiction here. The fact that the Lord knows what I'm about to pray doesn't mean I'm not called to, to pray. Actually, it should entice me to pray knowing that he already knows what I'm going to ask, right? So he's not surprised by them. So it's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. But when you look at prayer, for example, we realize that Jesus gave us this example of praying. When he walked on earth, he prayed. The disciples at some point in, in, in occasions were they were looking for him and they couldn't find him because he was he got up early and he went to pray. So we see Jesus giving this example to pray. And when we look in the scriptures, when it comes to prayer, uh, the, the, the call to pray is confirmed by multiple examples of how to pray. It's, it's, it's one of the topics, it's one of the hot topics that you find in the Bible. It's one of the topics where you have the most information when it comes to the how-tos. It really is. And, and, and so if, if there's so much information on prayer, the need to pray, then it must be important, right? And, and so this is why for us as a church, for me as a believer, it's important to understand the place of prayer in one's life. And the question I have for myself and for you, what place does prayer have in your life? Is prayer um, expressed at meals, mealtime? Is it a sh short prayer that you do before you go to bed? Is it when you read the daily bread and, and you have a short prayer that goes with it? What is your prayer life? And, and, and so, so what I'd like to be able to demystify and unpack is there's power in prayer, and we're called to pray. 
So when you look at different um, um, characteristics or uh, the guidelines of prayer, there's uh, quite a few. Uh, you, you, you see here, that I just got nine of them. I could have had 20 of them, but, but I just wanted to give you examples of how to pray just to say or just to, um, to clarify that prayer is a big deal because there's a lot of information that is linked to prayer. It, it, like, look at the first one. It's to approach God as a father, um, that we're called to approach him with assurance, with boldness, the throne of grace, that the Lord will answer when we ask according to his will, so we're called to discern his will. The Lord asks us to pray with faith and expectation and believe that God is able. The Lord asks us to pray with the right motives. In James it says, you have not because you ask not, but when you ask, it's for selfish motives. And so we, we, we find that example, and, and the Lord will answer if we ask him sincerely and with humility like the tax collector in the temple that's beating his chest contrary to the religious leader that thought he was better than the, than the tax collector. The Lord will answer if we keep on asking and the Lord will answer when we ask in the name of Jesus and in the name of Jesus represents who he is but also what he has at heart. So because if you go to Mexico, you'll find a lot of Jesus, right? So it's, they're not the right one. <laughs> the, Jesus, the son of God, is the right one but, but it talks about who he is and what he stands for. So when you pray in the name of Jesus, you're submitting yourself to who he is and also his character. And the Lord will answer if we ask without treasured sin. That if we walk in sin and we nurture sin, well, it puts a blockage in our hearts to receive the answer to prayer. So when it comes to prayer, we, we also need to realize that prayer needs to be accompanied with trust and surrender. And, and you look at the example of Jesus in Gethsemane, where he is... Uh, he is before his treason, treason and he's praying, and it's, it, it, it's a hard time because he knows that Judah is coming his way, and he knows what's going to happen, so he has this dialogue with Father, can you remove this cup from me, the cup of suffering? And then finally, he comes to the point where he says, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And so you see Jesus that surrenders to the will of the Father because of the big picture, and so there's this big picture that God is in control of. And so I want to submit. So when it comes to prayer, I want to submit to his will, right? So prayer is not a place where I tell God what to do. God is not my servant. And God is not a pop machine that if you put the right change, then he's, he's obligatory. I probably killed that word, right? He's forced to answer you. So, so you think about Peter, uh, Paul also in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he's before the Lord and he says, God, remove this thorn in my flesh. Three times he asked, God, remove this thing in my life that prevents me of being effective. And God says, no, uh, in your weakness I'll be strong. Knowing that you have this thorn in the flesh will cause you to depend on me. And it was a positive thing. So when it comes to prayer, we have to realize that there's things that we don't understand. And there's things that are bigger than us. And we find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Now we see, but a poor reflection as in a mirror. 
Then we shall see face to face. Look what it says. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So I know in part. So I approach God, I understand that he's the master chess player, and I just see a portion of it. And Isaiah 55 verse 9 gives this picture, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So there's things I don't see, I don't understand. Later on, I will see and I will understand. So I'm called to trust and, and, and rely on God. At the same time, as I'm saying this, how should I approach prayer? I should realize that God has asked me to partner with them. And so it is not true that I am on this roller coaster hoping for the best where I have no control of my life. That is not a clear and a, and a biblical theology because when God made Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, they were created with freedom. A choice to follow or not. And I believe that we all have that free will and that, and that choice. And I believe that God is looking for partners. That God is looking for partnership with us. If you look at Psalm 115 verse 16, it says, The highest heavens belongs to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man or assigned to man. So, so when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them a dominion to rule. Not to rule to do their own things, but to manage what the Lord has given us. You see the partnership here? You see that the heaven belongs to the Lord, but when it comes to the matters of men, God is working with us. God is cooperating with us. This is why prayer, this is, why prayer is such a big deal. Because prayer is cooperating with God. Even though that he can do whatever he wants, even though he makes the earth um, uh, his footstool and the heaven his throne, that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to partner with us. So the plan of God is for us to cooperate with him and to do ministry uh, led by him and, and, and guided by him, but with him. You, you, you've got this verse in Ezekiel that specifies that in a powerful way. God wants to redeem Israel. Israel is, is in a hard situation. But God is looking for someone or people to stand in the gap and to pray for the sake of Israel. And if you look at chapter 22, verse 20, 30, it says, I looked for a man or a woman among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. Look what it says after, so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. He found no one to stand in the gap. He looked among the leaders of the land. He looked among religious leaders. He looked at every level, and there was no one that was standing in the gap. Why was God doing this? It was because he was looking for partnership. He was looking for the people to stand in the gap in, the, in behalf of the people before God. This is the way that God operates. That's why prayer is such a big deal. Because if there's not a response from us in prayer, that means that God in his sovereignty can be held back for him to do what he wants to do because there's no one that stands in the gap. That's what Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. You look at the apostle Paul. Nine times he prays, he asks the people to pray for him. Nine times. 
Pray for me so I can preach the gospel. Pray for me as I'm called to go there. Pray for me because he understands that prayer is essential for him to do the work of the ministry. That if there's no intercessors, no one that stands in the gap, it will affect the way he is going to do ministry. Sometimes what we, how we treat prayer is that we say, we pray for you, but we don't really because we don't see the importance of it. And sometimes it's just a cliche for Christians. Would you agree? I'll pray for you. And then we go home. But really, we don't really realize that when we pray, something can happen. One of the first things that happens when you pray, it changes you. You pray for people. God gives you a compassion, moves you inside. And at the same time, God touches and moves people because God responds to prayer. And at the same time, it plays on the climate, let's say on the environment where the people is. And God is bringing people in, in those people's life. And it's amazing what God can do in cooperation with prayer from your workplace, from your family dynamics to whatever you're dealing with. When we, come, when we cooperate with God, we give a room for God to intervene. We give a room for God to manifest himself. Uh, like I said, Paul, you see him in call of prayer. I need you to pray. Was it just because he wanted to have a pat on the back? No. He understood. He understood that prayer was the railway or, uh, for, for, for the wagon of God's will to come. And so prayer gives birth to breakthroughs. So, so how do we see breakthroughs? When we go from casual prayer to persistent prayer. Can you tell your neighbor, can you say persistent prayer? From casual prayer, casual prayer, once in a while, uh, here and there, to persistent prayer. And there's so much said on that when it comes to the scripture. In the life of the prophets of old, in the life of Jesus, also in the history of the church, in the gospel, in the epistles of Paul. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, about persistence. Ask, and it will be given to you. Okay, that's fine. Seek, and you will find. Go a little deeper. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. You see the action, the motion of going the, 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 the effort that is displayed, you ask, you seek, you knock, it's all, it always goes deeper. And Jesus says, this is how you should pray. You're called to ask, you're called to seek. How many of you, you lose your, you lose your keys often? So you don't have to admit it. <laughs> but, but what you do is you seek your keys, Right? Like, we were talking last night about my mother-in-law when Micheline was a baby. And uh, Micheline was, uh, um, like, I don't know how, like maybe a month old. And my, my mother-in-law went shopping at the super, that superstore, but the grocery store. And she forgot the baby, Micheline, on, on, I don't know where, I can't remember where. But they laughed and they drove, they were, they drove away. And then she freaks out, I forgot my daughter. And then crying, coming back home, and, and, and she was not coming back home, coming to the store, and she was on a search, right? And finally, there was this older lady that said, okay, who left a baby here? <laughs> Maybe I should not have said that on live uh, today, so uh, might be, uh, I don't know. Um, but, but you're seeking, you really want it, you're seeking. And, and when you're knocking at the door, then it's very personal, you're knocking at the door. So, 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 Jesus gives us this example 
of persistent prayer. And he gives stories about it. I'm just going to tell one story. I could tell another one about this guy that knocks on the door during the night that wants to have bread. But here in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it talks about this lady that wants justice, this widow that wants justice, and she comes to this ungodly judge, and she knocks at the door, and she says, hey, judge, give me justice, give me justice. If you look at verse 1, it says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray, and what else? And not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God or cared about people or men. And there was a widow in, in, in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And so finally the judge gives, him, gives her justice because he's just tired of hearing her, right, coming to the door. And Jesus says in verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what these, uh, the unjust judge says. It will not God bring about justice for his people, for his chosen one, sorry, who cries out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? But the emphasis here that Jesus is saying is day and night. Persistent prayer, right? That's what he was trying to get across to the people. Again, sometimes we don't see prayer as persistent. Sometimes we, we live like we are in this little car that is a track to the rail, thinking that we don't have a role to play. One of the reasons that we need to understand persistent prayer is because of the battle, the spiritual war that we are we're in. I want to give you this news, like it or not, you are in a spiritual war. And there's a battle over your head, and there's a battle over your family, there's a battle for your calling, there's a battle for you to fulfill what God has called you to do, and, and, and so I need to be aware of that. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Look what he says, for, we, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, we're not fighting against people. But look what he says Look what he says when it comes to whom we're fighting. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in, dark, in, in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Meaning in, in the atmosphere, there's demons. There's a position. And so when we pray, what happens is that we're stirring up, we're st stirring up the heavens and there's a battle that goes on. And that's why we have the Daniel fast based on Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, where we see Daniel praying. And in verse 12, it says, since the first day you began to pray, the angel is saying that to Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and, and, and to humble yourself before God, your requests have been heard. So the first day that Daniel prayed, God heard his prayer, but there was a battle in the heavenlies. Um, and it says, uh, your requests have been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. But look what it says in verse 13. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. So God was going to give the answer, but there was, a, there, there was demonic activity that was blocking. And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. So I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And here I am giving you this message. 
You need to realize that when it comes to life and the issues that we deal with in a position that comes your way, sometimes there's many, many, many layers. Sometimes you pray for your kids, you pray for your parents, you pray for whatever you're called to pray, and you don't see a breakthrough because there's different layers. Because to see a breakthrough, there needs to be more prayer answered because it's all a combination of things, right? So it's important for us to to understand that there's a spiritual war going on and that there's sometimes many layers and sometimes there's there's a lot of pieces that needs to be moved. So how do I see a breakthrough? Is when I realize our call or my call to labor in the spiritual realm just like in the natural realm. There's things I'm called to do when it comes to loving my family. And there's actions I need to do. But one of the things I need to remember, and that's where I want to share my heart to you, is that we have to labor in the spirit, and that is through prayer. I'd like to give you this object lesson. I want to follow Brenton. He had a great one last week, so I said I need one too. For those online, this is my wood chopper. So I'm going to take the one with the knot. Maybe I'm stupid, but I'll do that. So you put the piece there, and then you, this is the obstacle you want to see a breakthrough. If you can't see it, this is how it looks. And so, so sometimes we treat prayer like this. Oh, I prayed. Why, God, are you not intervening? Casual prayer. But what we need to realize is that we're called to intercede, stand in the gap. And to pray for a breakthrough will cost you something. It's not going to be easy. As you labor in the physical to have a wages and to take care of your business, the same thing. When you want to see a breakthrough in the spirit, it's going to cost you something. It's hard work. To see a breakthrough in your kids. It's not just, okay, I prayed once and this is it. God knows my prayer even before I ask, but I'm called to stand in the gap. So sometimes I have to, to go hard to break it. And I got to go again, and I got to persevere. Okay, I see a breakthrough, then I have to continue. And so the knot wasn't bad. I thought I would have more problem. Thank you. (laughs) And I believe this is what we're called to do. And sometimes we just touch the top and and it stops. There's a need for us to persevere. Like Mother Teresa, and we know she did so much in Calcutta and she served a lot. But one of her quotes is that she said that she lived by is prayer is where the action is. Prayer is where the action is. This is where you have breakthroughs. This is where God opened the heavens. This is where hearts are changed. This is where God does what we cannot even dream when we stand in the gap and pray. But it has to go beyond casual prayer. You got to stand in the gap. If you're a parent, you got to stand in the gap for your kids. And it's just not one prayer. It's you fight, even for your marriage. You fight, you fight, you fight in the spirit. And God is the God of the breakthroughs. Last point here is when God is when we give ourselves and God no rest. This is the verse that hit me in the Daniel fast is Isaiah 62, verse 6. I've post I've posted watchmen on the wall, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. 
You who call on the Lord, give yourself no rest. He's talking about prayer. That God has raised up people to pray on the walls. Why? It's because God responds to prayer. If there's no one on the wall, you see? If there's no one on the walls, then God doesn't work. We need to have people on the wall. So he says, give yourself no rest. And I like verse 7. And write that in your Bible. Underline that in your Bible. And give him no rest till he established Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. And give God no rest. You give yourself no rest. You go hard on God, but you give him no rest. And sometimes we think that, oh, my issues are not important. I don't want to bother the Lord. And I've heard that so many occasions, I don't want to bother the Lord with that. God is giving us the permission to bother him. God gives us the permission to to say, God, I'm going to continue to pray for my kids. I'm going to continue to pray for a breakthrough in my community until you move. I'm not going to stop. And you do life, you're driving the car, your car, and you say, God, remember? You remember this, Lord? I bring this to you. I'm bringing my, my son, my daughter, whatever the need is. You bring it to the Lord. Oh, God, um, you, 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 you see in the, uh, my workplace? God, I bring this to you. You constantly bring it to him. And that's what the verse says, you know? Give yourself no rest. In other words, persevere. You don't quit praying. And give him no rest until. So that's a big piece when it comes to our life as believers. Prayer is a big deal, right? And so we don't want to miss on that, and we don't want just to approach prayer in a casual way. We need sometimes to work hard. Like, sometimes you got to get up early in the morning for battle, and sometimes you got to shut Netflix and go to battle. Sometimes you got to go for a walk and battle, and it's, sometimes it's not easy, I would prefer just to sit back and say, God, you'll do whatever you want. But God is saying, I want to work, but I've chose to be partnering with you. Do you want to partner? Look at the requests that you have in your life. Look at the breakthroughs you're in need of. Again, God is is bigger than what I see, so I trust in him, I rely on him. But at the same time, look at what you're facing Look at the challenges that you're facing. Where do you go for your solution? Do you talk about it to the whole world? Do you find earthly solution for a spiritual matter? Or do you go to God? And you pursue God. And you give yourself no rest. And you give God no rest. Imagine if the church would respond to that. We would go back home today and we look at our week and all the things where we need breakthroughs and we go to God. And we just hammer, God, I bring you this. God, I'm not going to quit until there's a breakthrough. I think we would see way more breakthroughs. We would see God work in a supernatural way. And I think God is saying, hey, child, my son, my daughter, I want to work through you. I want to work in you. So are you willing to surrender and live prayer as a lifestyle? Amen? I would ask you to stand. Father, I know that you're the God of the breakthroughs. And you see the breakthroughs that we need in our lives. Lord, you see the breakthrough I need in my life. You're not surprised by my need. God, I pray that I would give myself no rest. And I would give you no rest. 
I would give myself to the cause of asking and, and, and seeking and knocking and believing in you that you're able to make a difference. And I would storm your courts and I would come into your throne room and I would plead and ask you like Abraham, have mercy on Sodom and Gomorrah. Have mercy. I would stand in the gap and, 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 and intercede. Father, give us a heart of intercession for our relationships that we would fight in the spirit instead of the flesh and that we would commit ourselves to you first and that we would do this, this work in the spirit as much as we're called to do work in the physical. Let us be also known for our work in the spiritual realm through this amazing privilege of prayer. If you're here this morning and if this message is, you, you hear this message and you, and you, and you say, okay, well, how does that apply to me? Because you're not following Jesus. Well, I just want to let you know that the reason why you're here is because people prayed. And God's agenda is to touch you and move you. And so let him in. Because God brought you to this. Maybe you were raised in a church and, and you walked away. You, you've slid away for whatever reason. You're not here by accident. It's the voice of God that brought you here so that you can open up. But God won't force himself on you because he wants you to choose. But I just pray that you would choose to repent. You would choose to invite him in your life. And you would choose to say, God, here's my life. And maybe you're here this morning and your life is like dull, dull, and it's not going anywhere. Well, it's a great time to say, God, I commit my life to you. I want to be a, I want to be a person that is able to shake this nation, not because of me, but because of you, my families, and, and, and people in my business, and people around me, around me, God. I want to see a breakthrough, so I want to commit myself to a life of prayer. Amen? Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.